there, I'm Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast Walking with Dante, a podcast that has walked all the way to lines 46 through 63 of Canto 8 of Purgatorio. In the last episode of this podcast, Dante seemed almost knocked off his feet by two angels that descended over the dale of the negligent rulers, and now it's going to be Dante's turn to knock someone off their feet, or someone's off their feet. <laughs> That's what's up next. If that doesn't make any sense to you, uh, there's a lot of territory behind us. We have come a long way through Dante's comedy, all the way into Canto 8 of Purgatorio. We've been across Inferno and seen Oh, my gosh. Hundreds of the damned. Hundreds, thousands. I don't know. Lots of the damned. Now we've come to Purgatorio, and we are still not yet at the gate of said Purgatorio. Is that possible? Nope, we're not. We're at this last little way station on our way to the gate, this dale or valley of rulers who paid attention to their political lives, but not so much to their ecclesiastical lives. Or how should we say this? They paid attention to the body politic but not to their own souls. So, we're moving on. Lines 46 through 63, my English language translation of the medieval Florentine. You can find it on my website, markscarborough.com or walkingwithdante.com. You can read along, and more importantly, you can continue the conversation with me if you want to by dropping down to the bottom of each episode and leaving comments, questions, thoughts, all of those great things so that we can continue talking about these incredible passages. Okay, here we go. I think I'd only gone down three steps to reach the floor of the dale when one of them stared at me as if he wanted to remember who I was. Now was the time when the air dims, but it wasn't so dark that it didn't reveal to his eyes and mine what had been obscured up till now. He made for me, and I for him. Noble Judge Nino, how it pleased me when I saw that you weren't among the damned. No hail fellow well met was left out between us. Then he asked, how long ago did you come to the foot of the mountain from across those far-flung waters? Oh, I said to him, I only came out of the places of sorrow this morning. I'm still in my first life, although I gained the higher one by this journey. When they heard my answer, both Sordelo and he recoiled from me like people who are suddenly lost. Interesting passage here in the middle of Canto 8. If you remember, the angels have come down, as I said before, and Sordelo said, well, let's go down and talk to some of these rulers in this little valley. Some of them may want to talk to you. Well, here's one, Nino. We're going to talk about who that is, who is this Nino, because he is actually a referential node back to Inferno. So we want to talk about that. We want to talk a little bit about some translation problems in this passage. And then I want to talk mostly about what Dante means by gaining the higher life after his first life, an unremarked little crux in the passage. Let's start at the top. I think I'd only go down three steps. That is, after Sordelo said, let's go down. Now that there are two angels here floating above us, let's go down into this little valley and talk to some people who might be pleased to see you. So it goes down three steps. And then here's one of the translation problems. I translated it 
as to reach the floor of the dale. What he really says is, I'd only gone down three steps and was now below or now under. But Singleton, in his commentary, claims that this is a common phrase used to indicate getting to the bottom of something. So putting your feet on the bottom of a valley, of a canyon, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that's important to see here because in Purgatory of 7, Canto 7, line 72, we were told that they've come to the shallow lip of this dale and the dale seems to scoop out deeper ahead of them. So we've been told they're on the shallow edge and thus it's not very far down into this little valley three steps that really didn't even seem like a valley does it i keep saying words like valley and dale we're really talking just a little ditch or a little god that sounds horrible then a ditch or a little declivity in some way so dante steps down and if i follow singleton's lead he steps down onto the floor of this declivity he sees one of them staring at him as if this guy wanted to remember who dante was and then we have this really elliptical passage. Now was the time when the air dims, but it wasn't so dark that it didn't reveal to his eyes and mine what had been obscured up until now. I translate it that way because it is full of negatives in the Florentine, and it's a little bit tense because of all these negatives. Wasn't dark, didn't reveal, obscured up till now. I can't help but try this back to stuff we've already seen. This is all that sight irony eye bit that Dante's going to rely on his eyes even when it's going to get dark but not on his hearing but then he can't see the face of the angel and it seems as if we're continuing the little inside joke here seeing is believing except when you can't see but sometimes even when you can't see you can see (laughs) in the dimness it seems that there's a little i don't want to say joke that it really is too far but a little lightheartedness about this passage Uh, lighthearted in interestingly in the face of angels and what's coming a big snake which we know is coming in this valley ahead of us big stuff is going on around us and yet there's a little levity a little lightheartedness but i like that about dante he's lightened the load a bit here as the allegory gets very heavy and this is another bit all these negatives surrounding sight were reminded that the fact that it's getting dim when in fact you can still make out who's there and indeed he does he made for me and I for him, the passage says. They, they they move toward each other. And I think this double motion is really important. We'll come back for that in a moment. Noble judge, Nino, how it pleased me when I saw that you weren't among the damned. Let's talk about first this figure before we get into another interpretive problem here. Judge Nino. This is Nino de Visconti. He was born a about 1265, which if we accept that year as the year of Dante's birth, and you know I actually don't, but okay, if we do, he's basically a contemporary of our poet Dante, born about 1265, and he dies in 1296. Judge Nino is a major political figure from Pisa. He led a faction of the Guelph or Welf party in Pisa, and you know that the Ghibelline-Guelph strife is quite intense, pronounced (laughs) bloody in Pisa, to say the least. But our point here is that this guy, Judge Nino, or Nino de Visconti, is the grandson 
of Count Ugolino. Remember him in Inferno 32, the guy who gets walled up in the tower and may or may not, if you follow my implications of the passage, may or may not eat his own sons who die of starvation in the tower with him. Remember that hideous figure at the back of Inferno? Yep, here's his grandson. In fact, this Nino ruled Pisa as Podesta, we might say mayor, but it's a more powerful position than that, with his grandfather, Count Ugolino. They held the position in tandem until 1288, when his grandfather drove him and his faction of Guelphs out of Pisa in order to better control it. So his grandfather did a little bit of backstabbing there. He then, this Judge Nino, aligned himself with Florence and Luca against Pisa. He also, and this will come up ahead of us in the passage, by birth was a Lord of Galura, one of the four districts of Sardinia. His family, we talked about this with Count Ugolino back in Inferno, is connected to Sardinia, even though they're involved a great deal in Pisan, Lucan, Florentine uh, politics. In fact, uh, this figure, Judge Nino, did die in Sardinia in 1296. And in fact, uh, he dies just after the Pisan peace. Pisan peace comes in about 1293 when Luca and Florence and Pisa finally put to rest their warfare. And then this guy dies a few years later in Sardinia. Just as a historical note, a side note, his heart is actually buried in Luca by his own wishes because Luca and Florence were his allies as a Guelph against the Pisan autocracy, the Pisan leadership. That's who this is, Judge Nino, a very storied figure and connecting us back to the end of Inferno. And I think that that's important because I've told you that I think Canto 8 is the final gasp of hell in Purgatorio. We are coming out of an infernal mindset, a loose, misdirected, misaligned, wandering around mindset, and we're about to enter into Purgatory proper in the next canto of Purgatorio. Given that, it's not surprising and, in fact, very gratifying to find a figure from the very end of Inferno reflected here, a most despicable figure here reflected in his grandson, who is honored by Dante. Let's talk about that honor for a moment. Noble Judge Nino, the passage says, how it pleased me when I saw that you weren't among the damned. This is Dante at his finest. Let's back up. You can't believe that Dante actually walked across the known universe. He is indeed making this up. But here, by throwing in this aside, as if from the poet, oh, you know, now that I'm back home, I remember meeting you, and I was so glad you weren't amongst the damned, Dante bolsters the reality claims of his journey. This is typical Dante constantly trying to show us that, to use Barolini's terms, the strategy of comedy is no strategy. I'm not making this up. This is just what I happen to witness. <laughs> I'm not creating this landscape. I just saw it, and I'm reporting back to you what I saw. And sometimes I'm really happy to see my friends here. This bit of 
bolstering the reality claims of comedy is so fundamental to the work of comedy. Dante wants us fully to believe that this is not some kind of vision he had or some kind of out of body experience he had. Here he is in the flesh in this passage, but rather something he actually did and people he actually saw. Is Judge Nino in Purgatorio? I don't know. Is Judge Nino in Paradise? I don't know. Is Judge Nino in Hell? I don't know. Does Dante know? No. Dante can't know either. But Dante puts him here and then bolsters, reinforces that foundation by acting as if he's surprised that the very figure he put here is here, making comedy a constant hall of mirrors, a constantly self-reflective piece that is attempting through its own self-reflexivity to bolster its reality claims. The only part that seems really important here is the fellow feeling. No hail fellow well met was left out between us as I translated it. No good greeting. No fine salutation. I mean, these two, Dante and Nino de Visconti, could have met in real life. Nino was enough in Florence when Dante was in Florence that they could have met. There's no evidence to their meeting, but I mean, it could have happened. But what we see here in the passage is a very, what, camaraderie? He, uh, Nino moves toward Dante, Dante moves toward Nino. All that political rivalry, all that political machinery is now gone. These two are simply glad to see each other here. And Nino asks a very logical question. So how long have you been here? Or to put it in his words, how long ago did you come to the foot of the mountain from across those far-flung waters, thereby bringing us back to the Exodus motif, to the crossing of the waters motif. Of course, the angel does drive you here in a boat, or I guess sails you here in a boat. Nonetheless, bringing us back to that Exodus motif here. As I've told you, Canto 8 is wrapping up the motifs of the first eight cantos, or the ante purgatory, the before purgatory parts of Purgatorio. Remember, we're not technically in purgatory yet. We're just in the exurbs, closer in maybe now. Okay, we're in the suburbs, but we're not, <laughs> but we're not there quite yet. Dante replies, I only came out of the places of sorrow this morning. I'm still in my first life. Boy, that's that's the phrase. That's the bit where he just throws them off their paces. I'm still in my first life, although I gain the higher one by this journey. Now, being in the first life and coming out of the places of sorrow, that's where most critics spend their dollar. I want to spend mine on that last line. I gain the higher one by this journey. What exactly does that mean? It is quite curious. How can Dante, a sacramental Catholic, believe that this journey will get him to the higher next life? I should just note that the word in the Florentine there is not, I'm going to get to the higher one by this journey, but it has an acquisitive edge to it. I'm going to acquire the higher one by this journey. I'm going to gain the higher one by this journey. It's not just getting there. It's actually holding it as in um, uh, holding or acquiring capital and 
principle. Wait, what? How is he going to gain the higher life by this journey? I sat at my desk a long time thinking about this line. Is this some way that I'm going to get the higher life by writing this poem? Does this poem assure me an immortality? Well, we would certainly say it did, didn't it? I mean, here we are over 700 years later still reading it. So it kind of did, didn't it? But does Dante really mean that? He couldn't mean anything that secular, could he? I don't know. Sometimes Dante is weird and on the fence, but I don't think he could get quite that secular and claim that the life of his poem is his own eternal life. That seems too blasphemous to me. But the connection between gaining this higher life and this journey is still fuzzy to me. And this is a Catholic. He believes you have to take the sacraments. You have to be baptized. You have to confess. You have to receive extreme unctions. There's all kinds of sacraments you have to take in order to make yourself amongst the redeemed. How is walking across the known universe part of that salvific plan. I think it has something to do with the poem. And if it has something to do with the poem, then it does get just a little bit blasphemous. You're not going to get into heaven because you wrote a really good poem. But your name might be remembered. And early on in this passage, there is an emphasis on remembering somebody, Nino, staring at him as if he wanted to remember who Dante was. See, there is this way of being remembered, being known. Is that the connection? If so, it's a dangerous connection for any Catholic to make, but at the same time, it's a fortuitous connection for me (laughs) and you who are on this journey so many centuries later still with this poet. So it ends when they heard my answer, both Sordalo and he recoiled from me like people who are suddenly lost. This is such a funny little bit. So they heard the answer and we've had this whole irony. Do I have to draw this out again <laughs> about sight and hearing, right? Not he's not going to rely on his hearing, but here it's the hearing that knocks them off. They hear this answer and they freak out. Why? OK, well, listen. Dante doesn't cast a shadow because it's getting dark. The sun's going down. So they don't know that he's in his body. As far as they're concerned, he's just another shade around here. How that can be, we got to wait down the road in purgatory to figure it out. But for now, let's just say that they're knocked off when they hear the answer. And if you remember earlier on, Sordello had asked, who are you two? He asked it in the plural. Who are you guys? And Virgil had launched into an answer about himself. Dante had just stood there silently. So at that point, Sordello still doesn't know that Dante is in a body. And now they all know. And then this word just jumps off the page. Sordello and he recorded coiled for me like people who are suddenly lost. And the word is smarita. We know that word. Now, mezzo del camino di nostra vita. It's right in the opening of comedy. La derita via era smarita. When this word occurs, it's so loaded in comedy. And we should just think about this for a minute. Can you be lost in 
purgatory. It doesn't say they recoiled from me in wonder or they recoiled from me in amazement, although we take it that way, right? We take it that they're so shocked that somebody in their body is there. But the word used is still lost, smarita, a word loaded up from the opening of inferno when the pilgrim is lost. Can there be a way that even in purgatory you find yourself lost, not knowing quite what's going on? What? I love that you could have made it to the good part of the afterlife and still be smarita. We talked about this in a previous episode about still feeling the infernal pull of the past, even when you've come into the good part of your life. And here it is again, always reminding us that we're not quite in formal purgatory yet. We're not purgating our sins. We're hanging around in these lower slopes waiting to get in the gate for the real action to start. We are in the good part of the afterlife, but we can still be smarita, lost. Here's the passage again. Canto 8 of Purgatorio, lines 46 through 63. I think I'd only gone down three steps to reach the floor of the dale when one of them stared at me as if he wanted to remember who I was. Now is the time when the air dims, but it wasn't so dark that it didn't reveal to his eyes and mine what had been obscured up until now. He made for me, and I for him. Noble judge, Nino, how it pleased me when I saw that you weren't among the damned. No hail fellow well met was left out between us. Then he asked, How long ago did you come to the foot of the mountain from across those far-flung waters? Oh, I said to him, I only came out of the places of sorrow this morning. I'm still in my first life, although I gained the higher one by this journey. When they heard my answer, both Sordelo and he recoiled from me like people who are suddenly lost. Really fine middle section of Canto 8. It helps balance this whole thing. We're going to move forward with Judge Nino and then, of course, you know a snake is headed our way because Sordelo's already said it. We're going to move forward into those places those obscure, wild, and, dare I say it, misogynistic places that lie just ahead of us in Canto Eight of Purgatorio. To get there, please subscribe to this podcast. Please rate it. Give it a rating of stars. That would be fantastic. And drop a comment, if you will. Just great podcast would do wonders for me and the analytics. Thanks for being on this journey with me. It's going to continue to get hard as we go forward. That's okay. We are all going to keep walking, and we're all going to keep going. The poem gets harder and harder and harder. Oh, wait till you see what's ahead. I can't wait. I'm Mark Scarborough, and I'll see you on the walk ahead.